I'd like to welcome everyone to the Florence Weinberg Show. Frank McKay here with Dr. Florence Byam Weinberg, the author of 16 books and the subject of a documentary, uh, the long uh, subject of a long radio series before she became the host of her own show. Um, like I said, a lot going on. And, uh, and at 88 years young, 88 years young, uh, she has two relatively new books, one for sure, uh, and, uh, well, uh, you know, very new, both of them are very new. Before the Alamo was the second to last, and, and then the choice was her latest, and uh, just, I shouldn't say the last, second to last, there's a lot more books in her, and her memoir is in, uh, is in process and, and in progress right now. And Florence Weinberg, how are you? I'm doing fine at last after having had uh, digestive problems for months. <laughs> so, um, so I'm back on the uh, on the up and up at this point. Thank you. Yeah. Well, listen. Yeah, we're we're all thinking and praying for you, but you get more done at uh, and and again, people are living well past a hundred. Uh, you know, like no problem. I I met a hundred and three year old. The other day, and I, I would have sworn uh, the person was in in their early eighties, uh, but no 100, kidding, hundred and three years old. And uh, when when I meet you, when I see you in person, I see you, and I, I you look like like somebody that that easily could be mistaken for for sixty, sixty two, whatever. Uh, you, you know the the life, and not to go off too much on this, but uh, the the way we have life and we live life is so much different than what my grandparents were. My grandparents looked old at 55. I'm 55 now, <clears throat> and, and I, it's not just my memory. I can show you pictures, and they look much, much older, and they lived through the Depression, and they lived through, you know, the, uh, World War II. But, I mean, uh, I, you know, it's for some reason, for some reason we're living well, for many reasons, we're living longer and we're living better and healthier, and everything else. And uh, you're a testament to that. You're uh, you're doing great. So we're thrilled that you're back on the mend. And uh, just keep up whatever you're doing right. Just keep doing it. And you got a lot more years ahead of you. And uh, very, I'm very proud to be uh, to be with you here. And uh, and you always have something interesting to say. You usually don't read other people's um, material on air. But uh, I think you're going right. to do that today. You got a you you got an interesting one. Yes, uh, it's a little piece. It's it's fairly short, um, and it was written by a Democratic precinct chair for precinct four thousand two hundred twenty eight in San Antonio in the city. Um, and I think she's an extremely talented person, and maybe she will go far. Her picture shows her to be, I would guess, in her forties, probably. Uh, it's hard to tell. She's an attractive person. And the title uh, of her little piece, which was published on the 26th of July, uh, is See the Bigger Picture in This Election. Mm. And the subtitle, uh, which the editor of the paper put in, is Voters Must Look Beyond Just Inflation and the Economy which is uh, precisely what she contrasts everything to. Um, but um, as I see the, uh, uh, the uh, what shall I say, the uh, anti-democratic ads coming out 
from the Republicans. They are not only worrying uh, saying that Biden is uh, is to uh, is at fault for the inflation and for the troubles with the economy and the coming recession, and uh, and also he is so ancient, and they have uh, cheated, used uh, uh, cheating uh, pictures of him. Uh, where he was gesturing towards someone behind the scenes, and they say he is trying to shake hands with an invisible person, and this sort of nastiness, uh, which they hope will fool the uh, the audience, their audience, into thinking that uh, President Biden is incompetent and uh, uh, and probably suffering from dementia, and and and. Uh, so anyway, she addresses the. Uh, the legitimate, maybe, uh, concerns of Republicans about the economy. And I will read it now. Her name is Allison Beam, like a light beam. And this came out in the Express News, which is our one uh, major paper. And actually, we have others, but this is the major paper in San Antonio. Okay, here we go. In less than four months, voters will go to the polls and cast a ballot that will determine the future of American democracy. That's not an exaggeration. According to a recent Monmouth poll, Americans are most concerned about inflation and the economy. But in the interest of self-preservation, I urge everyone to consider the bigger picture when casting your vote. It's the economy, stupid, mentality seems to prevail, but the current state of affairs requires us to broaden our perspective. What exactly does better financial security get you? In the most fundamental terms, you'll have money to buy groceries, pay the rent, put gas in your car, and go to the doctor. But what what good is better financial security if you're you're killed by a young, angry guy with an assault rifle while in line at the grocery store or gas station. You will have paid for groceries and gas, but you won't be able to use them because an unstable 20-year-old with an assault rifle shot you. Or you'll be able to buy back-to-school supplies for your kids, but they won't get to use them because of an active shooter situation at their school. What good is better financial security if you die because you couldn't access access abortion services? You're able to afford the copay for a doctor's appointment, but an ectopic pregnancy or incomplete miscarriage could kill you because Texas forbids doctors from providing the needed medical care. What good is better financial security if your home is damaged or a family member is injured by the next big hurricane? Of course, this could be the next big flood or any other uh, tornado also uh, for a large part of the country. You paid the rent or mortgage but won't have a place to live if the next environmental disaster caused by the climate crisis obliterates your home and harms your family. What good is better financial security when you have no power to, uh, no power to your home? 
you paid your electric bill, but the grid failed again. This is, of course, specific to Texas. The grid failed again, and you were left without heat during a freeze or air conditioning during sweltering heat. Financial security is important, but so are those very real threats against your future. Responsible gun ownership and safety, women's reproductive health care, legislation to protect the planet from the ravages of climate change, and a stable electric grid should, uh, should unite all of us. The stakes never have been higher. This election, think bigger than the economy and vote for representatives who will build a better Texas and a more secure future. And of course, this is directed to us, but I think it is pretty much universal, uh, with the exception of the electric grid, because uh, I think all other states, I don't know about Alaska and Hawaii, but all other states are connected with, in the uh, national electric grid, which is something that the federal government, in particular uh, FDR, I think, uh, who uh, uh, instituted TWA, the, uh, the National Electrification System, which covers the entire country. So that's a democratic benefit that uh, all of us uh, enjoy, except for Texas. <laughs> Texas, who uh, want, wants everyone to know that we are the Lone Star State, and for 10 years, more or less, uh, slightly less, uh, we were a an individual republic, independent. And uh, uh, so Texans are still all puffed up over that little bit of history. And then, of course, the United States, um, it, uh, the, the republic couldn't sustain itself. And so uh, it accepted uh, the offer to become uh, another of the uh, states. I don't know quite how many states there were back then. I'll have to look that up. Anyhow, so uh, here we have this uh, little essay, uh, and I would like to uh, to talk about it uh, with you, Frank. Um, well, one thing that uh, – well, I don't want to cut you off. Were you about to say something else? Or you're just kind of open, open for discussion at this point? Oh, did I lose you? Uh, I can't. I couldn't hear you there for a moment. Well, it, let me it, let me just say this: there used to be a, a phrase, and I'm sure it's still it's still there, called pocketbook voting, right? And what that basically would say is that people vote their pocketbooks. So if the economy was doing poorly, they would blame the incumbents, right? They would blame yeah. whoever's there. Uh, Bill Clinton understood this. James Carville, uh, while he was running against George Bush, uh, first George Bush, who, let's face it, George Bush was coming off of a huge victory in the Gulf War, and um, and it was, uh, you know, pride, America. I mean, at one point, I think he had a 90% approval rating. It was the first war we had since Vietnam. And uh, and everybody was feeling good. The Soviet Union had just fell and uh, and everything else. Now, uh, with a little help from a fellow Republican Texan um, uh, who pulled votes from uh, from 
George Herbert Walker Bush, um, uh, Bill Clinton was able to win a three-way race. And one of his messages, one of his uh, messages uh, was something that you just mentioned. It's the economy stupid. It's the economy stupid. And that he reminded himself of that all the time. And he was right. And, uh, you know, George Herbert Walker Bush in a, uh, you know, in a debate, I think, with um, with uh, Dukakis uh, before he took over, while he was still vice president, said the words, read my lips, no new taxes, no new taxes. And they'll keep asking me. And he said it. So uh, that was featured. And it was a very foolish thing to say if. You're George Herbert Walker Bush running for the presidency. He didn't need to do that. But when you say that, it is so out there. It is so uh, available that any single new tax that you that you sign could be used against you. So, again, it didn't matter how many flags we you know, stop from burning. It didn't matter how many flags we were waving because we, you know, we kicked Saddam Hussein, this evil dictator, out of a smaller country in Kuwait. And we had the first war since Vietnam uh, to become uh, victorious within 90 days, I think it was basically. All of these great things happened. It didn't matter because the economy, it's the economy, stupid. And, And then Governor Clinton repeated that over and over and over again at the at, at the behest of James Carville his uh, and George Stephanopoulos his his handlers that were handling the campaign and he went on to uh, to victory over George Herbert Walker Bush now having said that what the article what this uh, this uh, this lady is saying this writer is is saying is, is don't You've got to look beyond that. Uh, she realizes that the economy uh, could be used as a weapon against the in the midterm election against the Democrats, and obviously mm-hmm. she doesn't want that to happen. So it's uh, it's it's a plea to say, look, look at all the other things that could happen that could go wrong. Don't buy into uh, it's the economy stupid on this one. But you want to know something? I think. The uh, I, I think it's an uphill battle. I, I don't know. I could be wrong. But uh, prior to Roe v. Wade uh, and, and what happened in the in the Supreme Court with Roe v. Wade, I was saying that we were headed for a Republican onslaught to uh, to come this way since Roe v. Wade. Uh, I think it, it became and, and what happened with the Supreme Court with Roe v. Wade. Um, I, it, it acted as a uh, as a uh, a warning, a uh, uh, a wake up call to many of the Democratic voters, and by the way, um, female Republican voters that that might be pro choice, uh, and they I I don't want to say they completely leveled out the, the the playing field, but by the by the Republicans, by the conservatives. Um, Messing, if you want to call it that, you know, or, or changing the status quo with uh, with Roe v. Wade, um, it, it woke up it woke up a sleeping giant, which are the Democratic voters who may have stayed asleep during this uh, this next campaign. So 
a couple of things are different here than what are in uh, normally seen in in midterm elections, but I'm I'm not sure that it's going to um, it's going to overrule what they have always called pocketbook voting. Uh, your thoughts on what I just said? Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I agree with you, but there are a number of things that the Republicans have done lately uh, and that the Democrats have also. And one of the biggest things the Democrats have in their, on their side is the January 6th committee, uh, which has uh, proven – Beyond a reasonable doubt, <laughs> that uh, and he was uh, Trump was uh, right out front with it that he was uh, winning. He had won the election and he was going to do everything in his power uh, to take over uh, and uh, overturn what he uh, was uh, saying was a stolen election, and so uh, it all uh, culminated in the attack on the Capitol, of course, uh, and the. Uh, this committee has uh, discovered all the different aspects to the attempt to overturn the election and has uh, put them up so that we can all see them. And that is a very powerful thing. And if the Republican Party insists on um, Trump for their, uh, their next candidate, and of course that's become doubtful now, but if they do... Uh, I think they will have a flawed candidate, and they may lose on that score alone. But then, as you said, there's uh, Roe v. Wade, and there is also this attack on the uh, Environmental Protection Agency, uh, uh, hamstringing it uh, in in uh, uh, one aspect uh, that it it can't limit the I think it's the uh, production of oil or uh, petroleum uh, it can't regulate that according to the Supreme Court uh, and so there's no protection for that um, and but for on the Republican side there is this rampant uh, in all the states that they govern and which they have uh, Republican governors and legislatures and that certainly uh, includes Texas uh, they have uh, gerrymandered the the state in such a way that most of the uh, seats that they now hold in the House of Representatives is safe are safe uh, because uh, the number of Democrats in, in every precinct uh, are fewer than the number of Republicans, and they have, uh, they have uh, arranged that very cleverly. Uh, and so they, uh, we are in grave danger of losing the House of Representatives because of that. Um, and, uh, well, I'll turn it back to you. Uh, I think we're in a we're in a balance here. Uh, the other thing about Trump is uh, that his age uh, is telling on him just about as much as as Biden's age is telling on him. Uh, so I think the uh, the Democrats, if they wanted to take low shots uh, at uh, at candidate Trump, if he should be the candidate, uh, they could also uh, play the the age 
and dementia and uh, incompetence card, uh, which I think is very nasty. Uh, but uh, it would be open to the Democrats to do the same thing if they wanted to get that low. Yeah, if, you know, very, uh, you know, very good points. I you you had said something you you had uh, just mentioned kind of in uh, in passing that. Um, that you think it's doubtful now that Trump will be running. Uh, wh- why? Uh, just clarify that. I, I heard that right. Uh, are you uh, are are you thinking it's doubtful that Trump would be running? Uh, well, the, apparently the the drift seems to be, and of course I'm following the editorial opinions here. Uh, it's the drift seems to be away from Trump. Apparently the poll numbers are dropping. Uh, his favorability uh, uh, numbers are are dropping, and people are uh, beginning to think about uh, Ron DeSantis, for instance. Of course, uh, Greg Abbott has uh, has presidential hopes, um, and so on. So uh, there are a few people in the wings here uh, that uh, that might put put forth their candidacy if they thought they had a ghost of a chance. And the ghost seems to be rising a little bit, uh, enough for uh, various editorials to uh, to mention it. I haven't seen any exact figures, poll numbers, uh, so I can't quote that. But I can uh, I can quote um, what these people are saying that there seems to be a trend. Uh, his, his popularity is uh, fading a little bit. Yeah. Well, one thing, uh, one thing for sure, is that uh, the Republicans that are on the inside do not want former President Trump to run. Uh, he is uh, he is polarizing. Even uh, even insiders now, and I'm not I'm not saying leadership. I'm not saying, but uh, but people that are real hardcore Republicans are saying, even though they won't say it publicly, they're saying, I hope he doesn't run because he's going to hurt, uh, or they, they hope not only does he not run, but that he doesn't announce any time before this, uh, before this election, this midterm election. Now, one of the reasons is because that would really, between Roe v. Wade and the return of Trump, you, you want to motivate the Democrats to come out. You want to you, you want to awake a sleeping giant. You're going to do it. And you may get you may get angry Republicans that are on Liz Cheney's, uh, you know, side or, or that are looking towards Liz Cheney. They might vote against Republicans on uh, on that front if they think that Trump is going to be the leader of that movement. And they may make that that statement. Now, some people will argue that Trump doesn't care. He doesn't care about the Republican Party. He doesn't care, you know, that he's ego-driven, and that I'm. And again, I'm trying to be, you know, down the middle. But that uh, that Trump is just ego-driven. He doesn't care whether the Republican Party, you know, does well, doesn't as long as he is the the focal point, as long as he is there. And uh, you know, once it doesn't become him and about him. Uh, you know, does he take his football and just, you know, walk away? And many a Republican are 
are, are hoping that uh, that they do that. The leaders, though, Kevin McCarthy and, uh, you know, who's uh, the Republican House leader, of course, and he's a minority leader over there. And um, and and of course, Mitch McConnell, who uh, uh, none of these people want Donald Trump to run for for president. Yet. They, they desperately do not want him, but they can't say it. Right. You know, when you mm-hmm. mentioned Ron right. DeSantis, um, someone. Uh, would would make the point, and and again, I'm sure people would argue with this that he's a kinder, gentler Trump. You know, his his views are similar. The Trump people, I think, would get behind him, but he won't run against Trump in a uh, in a pri- I don't believe that he or Habit would ever run against Trump in a primary because it would split the Republican Party right down the middle, and it would it would become very polarizing. And uh, and you'd have you know a bloodbath on your hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, so I don't think that's going to do what those folks you know uh, either DeSantis and or or, um, or or Abbott, who by the way shouldn't take his eye off off the ball here because uh, uh, Beto O'Rourke is is nothing to sneeze at, you know. And uh, and if anyone knows how to how to motivate. Um, money finances coming into an election that obviously it's better or rock we'll see what he's what happens after labor day and what it looks like um generally people uh say about politics that nobody pays attention until after labor day and you know that that very well could be true but what the republicans are privately praying for is that donald trump doesn't say i'm running for president and someone uh not someone many people make the argument that he's going to do that if he does that is to uh, you know avoid any kind of uh, prosecution right if people are going to um, try to you know try to indict him uh, in different areas and of course he's got fires all over the place uh, does former president trump say i'm running for president so he can say look they don't want me to run for president that's why they're doing this it's it's a witch hunt it's a political witch hunt the second he pulls his name out uh, does he become more vulnerable to indictment or prosecution or whatever and i think that is a scary uh thought for for republicans because why wouldn't trump um, uh, decide to announce just uh, to put up a, um, a, you know, I don't know, like a uh, like a, a suit of armor on himself. Hey, I'm running for president. That's why these liberal Democrats are out to get me is because I'm running for president. If he's not running for president, people will be like, well, you know, what do they have to gain by going after you now? You know, you you're not running for anything. So are they backing Trump into a corner? Are they backing the former president into the corner um, with the fear of uh, of indictment? And uh, and, you know, if you're a Democratic strategist, you don't care. You would love that. You would love for Trump to announce that he's running for president because you're going to have a much bigger Democratic turnout. In, uh, yes. And you're going to have a split Republican Party come uh, November. The second Trump says, I'm running. Yes. You, you agree? Yes, I do. Yes. I think that would be one of the greatest motivators for Democrats to come out. Uh, it, uh, the other another reason why, pe- why I think Republicans who are thinking Republicans, of whom there are many, uh, are not all that excited about having Trump run again, uh, is that he is fixated. He's obsessed uh, with 
the 2020 uh, election loss. Um, he cannot get away from that. And so every every one of these rallies that he has, uh, and he has had very recent one, one, one in uh, Arizona, I believe, um, he is talking about the past election. He's not talking, he, he is not thinking about the future. And the Republicans want to hear, uh, okay, what are we going to be doing? What's our platform? And there has been no platform, as everybody knows, because it was the will of the president that was the platform of the Republican Party, which I think is a total degradation of a party. If uh, it is uh, nothing has nothing uh, in the agenda except what uh, what the president dictates. So, uh, so anyway, I think uh, I think many Republicans are off Trump because of that, because he is looking backwards and not forward. I mean, back back to the article, uh, what her plea, and by the way, this is a, this is a, a very rational uh, point that she makes. It's a, it's a call to arms. It's a call to arms that don't get, you know, don't, uh, don't use your hearts just on this. Use your heads, right? There's uh, uh, there the the Republican led, and again, I'm an independent, so I'm not criticizing one side or the other. I'm trying to give right down the middle. What uh, what the writer is uh, is uh, suggesting here is don't get caught up in uh, in in the emotions of the. Um, of the economy, which, by the way, sounds you know almost oxymoronic, right? Because you, you, you know, it, it, that's usually you know facts and figures. You know, oh, the economy's bad. The economy's this. But what she's saying is, think about everything else, right? So uh, you know, you, you're the economy's not doing well. But look at what they're doing while the economy's not doing well. And uh, and again, you know, the, she made the point about um, that there won't be any house to go back to, or there won't be any here. Look at the bigger picture. She's trying to broaden the the scope of what the voters would be looking at, and it's actually a very mm-hmm. good and I think a very effective um, uh, a methodology that she chose, a very uh, a, a very effective technique that she used because she's not saying she's not saying the uh, the economy is robust. She's not making that argument about it. She's saying don't get caught up in that. You got to look bigger and you got to see what right. the repercussions would be to keep the Republicans and the conservatives back in. And, uh, and if you think it's bad now, wait to see if they get another two years with, uh, with free reign, basically is what she's saying. Uh, correct. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And she's reminding everybody, uh, gun ownership and safety is a major issue because people are being killed every day with, uh, with these uh, weapons that are f- uh, free for the for the asking, practically, uh, and eighteen-year-olds uh, buying uh, AK-47s and AR-15s, uh, this is a huge issue that has been sort of uh, un- put uh, put under the rug. The rug being the economy, and then there is uh, Roe v. Wade. The women's reproductive health and rights. Uh, the women in most of the country have been reduced to the status of property of the state. In other words, slavery. Uh, less than human, less than citizens. Uh, so 
that's another huge issue that will certainly motivate most women in the country, I believe. And then there is the planet, the degradation of the planet that's going on without uh, very much diminution here, uh, and thanks to the Supreme Court's uh, ruling on uh, the EPA. Uh, the EPA is now hamstrung in its uh, ability to uh, to regulate uh, pollution to the planet at a moment when we should be going all out to protect our heritage, if not for ourselves, for our kids and grandchildren. And apparently, um, the uh, the Supreme Court is not at all uh, interested in protecting the planet. Uh, and uh, uh, and of course, the status of energy in in the country. Uh, Texas, of course, has this issue of the electrical grid being inadequate to keep the country either uh, warm in winter or co- or cool in summer. But uh, the big issue, of course, is the transition to renewable energy, solar and wind, and uh, electrical cars so that we're not uh, puffing out pollution the moment we get in the car and start it up. Uh, So all of these issues are things that we must address if we're going to continue to live on the planet. And to live at all and not be shot as we stand in line somewhere. Uh, And... uh, I don't think uh, Donald Trump, if he co- uh, declares his candidacy, is going to address any of that. <laughs> He's going to be talking about how hurt he is by having lost the la- last election, or rather, having had the last election stolen from him. And uh, people are sick and tired of that, I think. Even some of his most devoted followers are thinking, well, gee, we sure have heard about that before. Let's hear something new, Mr. Trump. (laughs) You know, so much of what you said there is interesting. Do you know what sticks out to me is when you when you mentioned uh, safety uh, as being a, a concern, because when you say the EPA and you say global uh, 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 global warming or uh, or climate control, immediately people think, and, and, and again, I'm big on the environmental. I thought Scott Pruitt was a, a, a joke um, when he, when he was running the EPA, um, uh, and and he didn't believe in uh, in in climate change. Yeah, <laughs> it was like you know what it's you know it just it, it, it's like the fox running the hen house, or 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 better yet, just the the blind uh, leading people who desperately need help. Uh, but Scott Pruitt, who was put in by President Trump, you know, as the first his first. Uh, appointed uh, EPA um, director. Uh, it was was just an absolute disaster. But it's these are very partisan, down the partisan lines. Uh, you know, like uh, you know, tr- we're tree huggers. If you if you know if if you're an independent or you're even a Republican and you talk about uh, global control, you're a tree hugger. Uh, you're a tree hugger. And then big business, you know, side. You know, oh, you're worried about you're worried about the penguins. You know, you should be worried about the people and the economy and everything. So anyway, take that aside and then take Roe v. Wade aside. All of these have a a natural slice down the middle, right and left position, where to go. And, of course, there's those who cross over and whatever. But one thing that you said that doesn't have a natural right and left side is safety. Because other than the economy, 
which is both sides. I mean, you know, both people, you know, whether they're left, right, center, uh, all all sorts of people care about the economy. But the other thing that we care about is our safety. And uh, right. that's, that's crime and whatever. And for the first time, and you touched on it, and, and you, uh, you, you said it here, and the article touches on it. This is different. Our safety is, is, at, uh, is at stake because of the, the mass shootings. And again, these are horrible tragedies that are constantly happening. The reason we can't have a national day of mourning like we did after Columbine is because we'd ha- we'd be having one every week. Uh, not every week. We'd be having three times a week. I mean, there's mass shootings constantly. So it, we're numb to it because of the mass shootings. But if our safety is at stake, I don't care if you're Democrat. I don't care if you're Republican. I don't care if you're independent, conservative, liberal, progressive. I don't care what you are. You are concerned about that. You are concerned about our safety. And maybe for the first time, for the first time, if it's handled correctly, just like you you touched on it, the Democratic Party may be able to steal that issue away from the Republicans. Because I think uh, historically people are like, oh, we're strong on crime and, uh, and, and we'll keep you safe. Well, guess what? You're not going to keep us safe. This is, uh, again, I'm making what could be a democratic argument. You Don't say you're keeping us safe if you're not stopping 18-year-olds from, uh, from buying automatic weapons. That You're not, you're not uh, stopping disgruntled uh, you know, mental patients for buying uh, you know, automatic weapons, weapons that you wouldn't possibly shoot a deer with. You wouldn't shoot a rabbit with. You would destroy the rabbit. You know, two shots uh, with an automatic weapon, you'd rip the rabbit to shreds. You couldn't eat it uh, or eat the deer if you if you if you unloaded on it. But here, all of a sudden, Doc, may be an angle where. Yes, I agree. I think that's quite quite right. Yes, and just about all of these issues can be looked at from the point of view of safety. Certainly gun, obviously, gun control, Uh, intelligence gun control, not taking away guns from people, but regulating uh, how they can be purchased and who can purchase them, whether they are uh, old enough, mature enough, uh, whether they are uh, stable enough. Uh, and so on. And uh, what are their motives for buying these things? Uh, there are so many un- unsafe people out there who own guns. There's no question about it. Um, and as you say, uh, mass shootings uh, or shootings uh, of maybe one or two people are happening every day and maybe multiple times every day now in this country. And uh, they don't even make the newspapers because they're too small. There are only one or two, three people. <laughs> but but we are taking them for granted. Uh, so uh, any of us could be gunned down at any time uh, by accident because we were standing in the way of somebody who, uh, who was a target. Um, but we just happened to be collateral damage. Uh, and then, of course, the, uh, the environment is... Uh, uh, is killing people. The heat is killing people. And uh, uh, two winters ago, uh, in uh, February 2021, uh, unofficially somewhere around eight eight hundred.
hundred people died of, died frozen to death in Texas uh, because the electrical grid was down; it failed. Uh, and uh, uh, we do need a, there is pollution that kills, um, and uh, the air we breathe, the water we drink, all of these things are polluted now. And we need to do something about it before it's too late. And obviously, this heat wave that we are all suffering from, including all of Europe, uh, is devastating. The Rhine River is low. It's not flowing the way it normally does because there was hardly any snow on the Alps last last winter. And it's the same in the Rockies. There's hardly any snow in the Rockies. So our, the Colorado River is low, and the dams that we have are about one quarter if less, and less full of water. Um, and so... Uh, uh, we are in danger. We are in direct danger, especially here in the Southwest, of running out of water. And what will the big cities who depend on those dams that are practically empty now, what will they do when suddenly there's no water? Where will they get the water? Right. You can't borrow it from other cities because they're in the same place. So it's our safety, our health, our lives. And life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, which is what our uh, our nation was built on, on that aspiration, will be impossible. So we need to think about these things when we vote. I, I think it would be a good idea, Doctor. Uh, let's let's refresh people on what we're what our starting point was, in case they're catching us in the middle. Uh, it was the uh, it was the article, and and let's give the author again so people can look it up and reference it them uh, for themselves. Uh, and uh, and and any, any other key points before we go that we should underline that she's made because she she's made a wonderful um, you know a political argument um, of why people should. And and again, I'm that's I'm saying this without taking a side. Uh, she she makes an intelligent, rational um, uh, argument. Of why not to basically pocketbook vote, right? Exactly. Uh, what, is, what is her name? Her name is Allison Beam, B E A M. Allison Beam, and uh, what's the name of the article? Uh, the article is "See the Bigger Picture in This Election," and it appeared in the Express News, the San Antonio Express News. On the twenty sixth of July. Yeah. So, a uh, good good job by Allison Bean uh, to you know to again look at the at the uh, bigger picture, which is you know of course encompassed in the in the title. Uh, Doc, any any final words on us? Well, I agree with her that we should think of the bigger picture before we go to the polls and think beyond uh, inflation and the economy and what else is at stake in this coming election. And who can best lead us? A man who's looking uh, backward, uh, who's injured, his ego is injured because he didn't win that election, but he uh, has convinced himself he did, uh, and who's obsessed with that. Uh, or another a person like DeSantis, who is a clone, really, but a whole lot smarter and therefore can do a lot more damage. <laughs> um, or somebody who has 
the the nation's welfare, the bigger picture in mind, and thinking forward, and having a plan for a forward movement in this country. Uh, so think about the available candidates and which one fills those goals or suffers from those deficits. Well, Doc, uh, yeah, great, great job as always. And uh, and if you can, take care of your health. We need you around. Uh, you're always a rational voice. And uh, certainly uh, 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 the folks listening to you are going to find you, uh, especially uh, uh, people that lean Democrat are going to see you as a rational voice, but I would I would uh, venture that that Republicans that do not uh, do not like just uh, the the spitting out of emotion. You lay it out intelligently, and if people want to, and by the way, as George Will does, and I, I think George Will uh, yes. does a, a wonderful job of laying things out from the conservative standpoint. And and even though Democrats and, and left-leaning folks don't necessarily agree with George Will, they could respect the way he's uh, he's handling the rationale that he is right. that he is, uh, you know, talking about and and, um, and and putting forth. And I think you do the same thing. So congratulations on that. That's not an easy thing to do. Yes, I always read George Will. I, I admire him very much for his rational stance, uh, even though I don't agree with him very often. <laughs> but I, uh, I do think he is a thinking, honest man, uh, and he does represent what the Republican Party used to be very, very well. And I hope it will get back to that one of these days. Well, Doc, thank you very much, and you always get us thinking, and I, I think about so many of the things you say days later, and it uh, comes up where it'll come up in a, when I'm having a conversation, and I'll reference something you said, so I thank you for that, and uh, we thank all of you for listening. We know you have a lot of choices. Um, Frank McKay signing off. Uh, please uh, tune in each and every week and binge listen to many of the shows that you may have missed. You can see us on our, or hear us on 124 different outlets. Check out the documentary. Check out the books. Uh, there's 16 of them, but uh, but certainly the choice. And uh, before the Alamo, Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on the Florence Weinberg Show. <laughs>